0: Welcome to Rank and the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? You know, I've been
1: reading a lot more this week.
0: Nice. That sounds soothing.
1: Yeah it's it's been <laughs> it's been a real nice reprieve from how awful the internet has been
0: lately. Yeah. So, uh, wh- how why have you found yourself reading more this week? So
1: I've been reading more this week because I was cleaning out my office and found a lot of books that I got that are review copies uh, mm-hmm. that I owe people reviews for. So I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this book from 2015, maybe I should review. So I've been uh, yeah. reading Enrique uh Because She Never Asked, and it rules.
0: Oh, shit. What's 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 the deal with that one?
1: So, it is Spanish, uh, as in, like, Spain, Mm -hmm. um, metafiction, so it's just the most obtuse, obnoxious (laughs) book ever, but I love it. It's about a woman who wants to be Sophie Calle, the artist, so she pretends to be Sophie Calle, and Mm -hmm. then she pretends to be sam spade the detective from the maltese falcon and then it turns out that she's actually sophie kaye because the author was actually approached by the artist and asked will you write a story and then let me live it But then the author wrote the story, and then Sophie Kaye wouldn't actually live the story, and then the writer got writer's block, so he wrote this book about how he has writer's block because (sighs) the person that was going to live out his story didn't live out his story, so he can't end the story. And that's where I'm at in the novel.
0: Quincy, I'm so angry. (laughs) That's too many things where it's like... I, this is like uh, cutting open a cake to find a fully intact cheeseburger inside. <laughs> like, Technically, these are things that I like, but I don't want that to be there now. What are we doing?
1: And and yet, this is like my favorite kind of book. Like mm-hmm. anything, Paul Auster, John Barth, um, <laughs> basically oh, yeah. anything else. Enrique Villamadas also wrote a book about
0: fake books. Holy shit! And, so it's but like it was, book it, reviews of books that don't exist. Oh, see, I love that. Like, <laughs> this is this is mostly I think uh, book reviews. Generally, I, I've realized that I never like reading nice reviews of things. I, I don't know. Uh, so, speaking of which, I saw Ratatouille uh, for the first time this week. Ryan, <laughs> yeah,
1: you yep. must tell me what you thought of Ratatouille.
0: Um, I enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think the movie had substantial problems, but I also, like, I, I was able to uh, briefly put aside the part of my brain that wants to vivisect everything. Uh, I'd like that immediately uh, there's this thing of, like, critics are fuckers, but secretly they're tender at heart and they just want to feel things. And it's like, I don't know, like, I, I, I myself, I, I don't know. I think that both of us, for example, tell me if I'm wrong. So we came up sort of during uh, mean internet stuff being a huge part of being online. Like if you're going to be in a fandom space, you know, sort of you had to put as many variations of like fuck trumpet or fuck waffle or fuck noun uh, into a review of a thing and to be mean about it because this is how you're going to get clicks.
1: Well, here's the thing, Ryan. We grew up, we cut our teeth on 90s irony. So right. we kind of missed that. Well, no, we came of age in New Sincerity, but that mm-hmm. was like the cutting edge. Like no one wants to be sincere. Everyone wants to be disaffected. So right. we can't actually tell people that we like things. Right. We also grew up in an era of um, bullying and nerd shame that oh, yeah. future generations have not gone through because... Marvel and you know Marvel broke and like comics broke and like Star Wars came back and mm-hmm. it was like really cool so you know ours fortunately ours is the last generation of like well no I can't say that I was gonna say we're the last generation of gatekeepers but I know that's a lie oh yeah I no, wish like we were the yeah. last generation of gatekeepers
0: it dies with us yeah no Listen, like it's, I it's just learned
1: coming. about the old school Uh, gaming revolution where you take D&D and you take the easy to play fifth edition and you scroll it back to like the difficult, (laughs) unfun second edition of the
0: game. People don't have enough problems in their life. You know the
1: reason why we took this game and we've adapted it five times and made it a little bit better each time? Let's not play that. Let's play the one that the the, the publisher decided
0: not to print anymore. Oh, I don't need your nice new iPhone. I've got the original iPhone that can do fucking nothing. (laughs) Like, why would... uh, It's, you know, like adding arbitrary difficulty for the sake of having a harder time with it. I've never understood the sort of like, hey, you know that thing you enjoy? What if you it could be more difficult for no reason and more frustrating? And there are so many people that, now, and this, in an indirect way, you remember when we were talking about Haunter's The Art of the Scare, and we were talking, and you know, that documentary goes into extreme haunts where it's like, get hung upside down in some Jagoff's basement, and he'll torture you for like five hours, and that's like a haunted house. Yeah. Um, now, it's not a one-to-one. I'm not saying that if, you, if you're playing uh, an early edition of d d you want to get tortured in a basement. But I do think both of them uh, occupy the same place in my brain of, you don't have enough problems, do you?
1: Right. Like, like you, you need, need more to... suffering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who that's... hurt you?
0: Yeah, who hurt you? Um, so this week, the goal shit that I'm into. So I, I finally started reading after uh, ages of uh, meaning to get around uh, to getting around to reading it. Uh, Kushiel's Dart. Have you read Kushiel's Dart? No, tell me about this. Holy shit. So Kushiel's Dart uh, is a like 900 some page uh, fantasy epic from the early, from what, 2001 or something? And uh, in sci-fi and fantasy spaces, like, it is huge. Uh, It is super uh, into the sacred versus the profane. It's basically what if the entire uh, continent of uh, alternate Earth Europe uh, was super into magic, but also hornier than shit. And so it's just everything is so horny all the time in the main character, uh, whose name is spelled P-H-E-D-R-E with an accent mark, and I've been terrified to ask how to pronounce it, so I just don't pronounce her name. Um, but she... I want to
1: pretend like it's Ferd Happily.
0: <laughs> it's Fergie, actually. This is uh, Fer- Fergie's orig- origin story. <laughs> um, now, the thing, the thing for about Galicious it is just definition,
1: for, <laughs> make all them boys go luck. that
0: it's the descendants of man are all for Galicious. And, and so uh, Fed Fed um, is born with a scarlet mote in her eye, which uh, the house that she's born into, the house of night, uh, it's kind of some gross eugenics shit at the beginning because it's like, oh, there's an imperfection with you well, sorry, kiddo, we're selling you. And then, you know, apparently the the red mark in your eye is the thing referred to as Kushiel's Dart. And it's like, oh, no, actually, you're really cool and special because you have this thing. And now, if I sound like I don't like this book, that is not true. I am enjoying the shit out of it. Um, Imagine, okay, Quincy, dig, if you will, a picture. Imagine if Anne Rice could be a good writer (laughs) and write things that were good to read. Like... Uh, understood things like, uh, you know, poetry and the sacred versus the profane and, you know, things that are actually good that I like. Um, so it's really, really good. But I think that I need to have this book alongside something trashy so that I can go back and forth. So in between reading that and a romance novel, uh, the, the, uh, the second book in the uh, Thornchapel series. Oh, man, that horny on main stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's you know what, this is the life I've chosen for myself is romance novels and horny high fantasy. And this is this is what I'm doing. Which you know what? I, I feel like um but it's, it's between that and reading like when I read horror, it's short stories. Oh, oh, and uh, Quincy, have you uh seen on Shudder the new creep show?
1: I have not yet. How is it?
0: uh it fucking rules Uh, i am in the midst right now of writing a uh recap i'm doing i'm gonna be doing a thing called the creep cap uh where i'm gonna do recaps of um the new creep show on shutter because i've realized that it's it fills a place for me of like we've i think we all desperately want something that's just like hey here's basically tales from the crypt and then we have that. Um, and it's really, really good. Like, the first episode features motherfucking Tobin Bell, like the guy that played Jigsaw, playing some rando sheriff. It's really, really good.
1: Now, Ryan, where will people be able to read this once it's written?
0: They'll be able to find it. Yeah, that was an excellent segue. On uh, the website rankinvile.com. We uh, are, I think, starting to put up more content. We just put up an interview with uh, that Quincy did with Charles Band. Yeah, How that was, was that? wild <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a lot uh i uh, just interviewed uh jason and heather devon who uh, did uh along came the devil 2 we're, we're gonna be putting that up in a bit um there is a lot of really good shit happening right now on rankinvile.com
1: can we talk about this weird space that i never thought we would get in where we make actual factual famous people say if jaws or deep red is better and they're like What?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. No, it's so good. Like with uh, Jason and uh, Heather DeVan, um, they uh, the last question I had was, which is a better movie? The Exorcist or the Amityville Horror? And then it immediately turned into a thing. And I realized, like, there's such a stupid joy about arguing about which things are better than other things.
1: Yeah. It's like it's so
0: fun <laughs> Now, and it's funny Now, alright, so For a podcast entirely predicated upon Deciding which things are better than other things I myself have been trying to uh, Temper somewhat the way that I watch stuff Because I feel like I always want to have the big fuego take After watching a thing And it's I worry that that hamstrings my uh, growth as a person, that I need to create pecking orders and come up with a take before I've even fucking finished watching the thing. And so um, this podcast is a good outlet to indulge that and then otherwise actually try to just watch a thing without ranking it.
1: Yeah, it's hard because while watching the movies for this week, I immediately was thinking of the movies they were better and worse than and that yeah. definitely does get in the way but uh let's do the damn thing and talk about movies <laughs> that are better and worse than evil dead 2
0: we did a movie uh, all right so this week uh, we did a movie from 1989 uh quincy i think you got the blu-ray from yeah uh, so Vin- vinegar, vinegar syndrome, syndrome
1: those lovely lovely ghouls sent us this vineyard blu-ray it is a new Um, 4K restoration from the original 35mm camera negative. Shit, yes. So it looks very good. And also, that 80s soundtrack, uh, which is all just insane new wave, just, like, crackles on that wonderful uh, Blu-ray audio. Oh, man.
0: Now, and this is, I think, one of the cases where where you want Blu-ray for a release like this, because I feel like, for me, anytime that I find, like, a lost gem like this... Uh always I'm like, oh if only I could have this on shitty VHS and watch it on a VCR because I'm a fucking pretentious asshole. And I think it's better this way to actually have like a Blu-ray that you can appreciate the movie on. Yeah. What's also
1: wild is this got a theatrical release. You're kidding me. In Atlanta get out oh okay all right (laughs) I
0: can't oh my god one
1: weekend and and in on the dv on the blu-ray sorry it's a blu-ray dvd combo which I also appreciate vinegar syndrome doing because as much as I love blu-ray I also uh can't watch a blu-ray on my laptop still because Mm -hmm. they know their audience are people that have a (laughs) blu-ray player but also a dvd player
0: exactly exactly right so there's
1: Yeah, so there's this interview on the Blu-ray with James Hong and Harry Mock, who are the... James Hong is, of course, the actor, writer, director, producer, and star of The Vineyard. Refreshment chief, treasurer. (laughs) And Harry Mock is the uh, producer and also the actor. He's the main uh, kung fu guy that castrates that dude with that very large knife.
0: Yo, we a guy gets castrated in this, <laughs> and like, then killed. And then, yeah, no, he, which is really kind of. I feel like that was kind of. Uh, all right, so we'll get into it. So, um, <laughs> so anyway,
1: Harry Mock and James Hong talk about making this movie, and they have wonderful gems such as they were at a Hollywood party, and someone said that looks so great for spending thirty five million on it. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. It was really hard. And they're like, it was like a $3,000 shoot. It was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and also million. in the movie where um, James Hong is screaming, give me the wine. he's He was actually screaming at the um, prop manager who was supposed oh, to hand him that cup off screen. But because he's <laughs> acting wine. and directing, he's, like, screaming at her. <laughs> and I guess they've—and also because he's probably the editor, too. He's like, yeah, we'll leave it in. It sounds dramatic. Oh,
0: my God. Honestly, James Hong—I I never want James Hong to be mad at me. Like, can you imagine, like, that voice just like, give me the wine! And you're just like, ah! Like, Can we also
1: talk about how James Hong is— l- literally in every 80s and 90s television show oh
0: he's been he in was the everything. asian
1: guy in every prime time drama that you can imagine
0: see this is so my uh, immediate familiarity with james hong when i was a kid was that he was uh, cassandra's father in wayne's world too yeah uh, he is <laughs> Yeah, during the, the fight scene with, with Wayne He's Campbell. also
1: um, Kung Fu Panda's father in Kung Fu Panda.
0: Yes, he's also the rude uh, magistrate in Mulan. Like, he's goddamn... Like, James Hong... Now, he's been in everything. And I gotta say, this movie is completely insane. And it's I don't think it's on me to say whether this is a good movie. Because it kind of exists outside of conceptions of good and bad. <laughs> he's pretty good in it. Like Yeah, yeah. My, he's, he, he does he's, well. He's a great fucking actor. Um, he is.
1: Oh, also do you, do you, in the on the Blu-ray special features, you get James Hong doing uh, Bugs Bunny impersonations.
0: Oh my god. Oh, Quincy. and
1: like kung fu moves. So like Man. Harry Mock is talking about seriously like uh, coordinating the kung fu, and then like in the background you see James Hong just like hop out of his chair and do like really
0: cartoonish kung fu. <sighs> Quincy, I love horror so much. And and, and, and and James Hong, like, he, so he plays a scientist named Dr. Poe, I believe, yeah? Yes. And he... Dr.
1: Poe, which is Poe the Panda. Poe the Panda. Kung Fu Panda, which he played Poe's dad.
0: Oh. This is the worst. You realize somebody on IMDb Trivia was adding that as a piece of trivia for Kung Fu Panda. I kind
1: of feel like we need to do it right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My God. No, this is how it starts. This is how you become the fucking goof who goes on IMDb and adds weird bits of trivia. Um, Dude, you realize James Hong is 90? My God. He He looks so good for 90, too. And he's still doing projects. Motherfucker was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like... He's he's out here doing it. And I I have enormous respect for him. That being said, let's shit on his movie. Um, <laughs> it, uh, so the movie is about a scientist who lives on this kind of like Doctor Moreau type island, uh, and he is uh, Doctor Poe. For some reason, he's a doctor who's also a vintner. Um, he you know is, he, he's yeah. he's a renaissance man. <laughs> he wears a lot of hats, uh, and so he is a famous winemaker who uh, you know he's 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 making wine all the time and. What you come to find out is that he is like what, thousands of years old or something? yeah, yeah. he's he's real old because the
1: wine actually is magic wine and it gives him his youth and
0: vitality right. you get you you get flashbacks to when he was a baby in like feudal China. Like yeah, heat. which
1: I couldn't quite tell if it was fuel China or if it was just, like, that was their understanding of what Americans would think all China looks
0: like. Well, the thing is, the flashback that features his father, his father is wearing sneakers, like, with <laughs> the rest of his outfit. And you could tell that they were just trying to cut away from them. And it's like, no, we didn't have any fucking shoes for... Anyway, because... You like, know, we've yeah. also
1: been talking about... James Hong and not mention that he was David Lopan in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh,
0: that's, yeah, that's the big iconic role. I think, is David Lopan. Um, now, there's, there's a thing that I feel some kind of way about, which is that, so this movie is written, directed by starring uh, James Hong, who also spends a lot of this movie groping boob, which is <laughs> yeah. just such a brave acting choice from James Hong that, like, okay, for my movie, I definitely get to just grope half the cast. Um, and, and so he sort of keeps people in his basement because he's, like, draining their blood uh, because it uh, keeps him looking youthful. And so it, what, what's amazing about it, this movie starts off with, like, a Hammer Horror-style disheveled uh, desk covered in papers and Erlenmeyer flasks full of steamy, like, liquids. And I know that I'm getting old because immediately I got upset about fire safety because there's a Bunsen burner <laughs> right next to a stack of paper And I was like, you can't do that. Um, But yeah, so he's a scientist, and then there's uh, this boat full of party teens that show up on the island.
1: So so you forget that the reason why the party teens come to this island is they're at an auction, and people go wild over buying this bottle of wine by Dr. Poe. My god,
0: yeah, and he, um, now, so he drinks the wine, but also the wine is blood. Can you, can you explain what the deal is with the wine and the blood?
1: It's like, you know how port is wine mixed with brandy? Yeah. It's like a port, but instead of brandy, it's blood.
0: Ah, that makes sense. You know what, that's, I, I, I have gotten into, like, the, the embarrassing levels of, like, mixology shit, that makes as much sense to me as anything. It's like a recipe <laughs> that calls for human blood. Like, you know, I'm that. It's it's fine. What um, I also
1: like about the auction scene is you can tell this is a movie bait made by Asian Americans, and they're like, God damn it, we're gonna finally make a movie where the majority of actors are gonna be Asian Americans.
0: Oh fuck yeah, it's and great. It, and we're then...
1: not gonna make a big deal about it. We're just gonna actually cast Asian Americans in California and make it look like. Some bards of
0: California actually look absolutely, and also all of the like most of the white characters are complete doofuses. It's great, <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, and so now, all right, so there's there's a scene in this goddamn motion picture. Uh, so James Hong uh, has a a wife. Um, a, at the beginning, who, uh, she sort of he, yeah. okay, so James Hong and his employee. Yeah, Harry Mock, the the producer of the film. The producer of of the film. uh, And stunt coordinator. (laughs) They're both, like, walking out of the house, and then uh, right in front of God and everyone, just middle of the fucking courtyard or whatever, uh, James Hong's wife and uh, the other employee, uh, a big white doofus guy named, like, Jeff or something, and they just... Fuck, like, right in front of... Like, like, it's, like, late at night, and they just, like... It's like they both have tearaway clothes somehow. <laughs> like, they're standing there, ki- ki- like, kissing on each other one minute, buck-ass naked the next, making out. And you actually... <laughs> the guy announces, So, you think I'm ten times better than your husband, huh? And Which then is,
1: Dr. Poe's like, Aha, castrate him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's great, because, like, they're both watching from the hedges, and, like, James Hong looks kind of into it he's just like oh ho ho i'm gonna kill this guy so hard like he's not even mad that she's cheating on him he's just excited about committing murder so he gets like
1: beat up in a very fast martial arts fight because they're like you know this guy's very good at this so we're just gonna throw that in
0: as well well it's it's yeah it's a it's a fight scene but it starts because the one guy's like hey uh the boss told me i could give you some time off oh that's nice for good. And then he just starts punching him out of <laughs> nowhere. It, oh my god, it's wonderful. I'm
1: sorry, is this the scene that also has the pitchfork, or am I getting my fights mixed up in this movie?
0: Oh, that's definitely... although, wait a minute. Is that the same scene where he tries stabbing a guy with a pitchfork? It, it, there are
1: so many, like, non-sequitur kung fu fights I don't remember.
0: It makes me resent every horror movie that doesn't have random ass kung fu fights just in the middle of a scene. Like, if if that's an option, I'm pressing that button every time because I want people to I, I want people to do kung fu.
1: Yeah, all the time. But anyway, yeah. uh, Doctor Poe's like castrate him, and the goon pulls out like a. Do you remember uh, Cradle of Fear, the Cradle of Filth horror movie? Oh, absolutely. He pulls out a blade that is comparable to Danny Filth's like <laughs> arm size sword to yeah, chop it, this guy's nuts off.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is roughly the size of uh, a subway foot long. Like it's it's incredible. And so he just like chops the guy's dick off. there, he's like, all right, kill him, and then he just stabs him. Uh, and James Hong is just, he's having a great Sunday afternoon. Like, he is watching from a, from a distance, and he's just like, ah, uh, this is the life. I love being me. Um. So,
1: these teens
0: come to stay at the island, unaware that it's run by a murderer. Yeah, a guy who's just into murder all the time, and they're like, hey, we're stupid teens, do you want to hang out and party? And, and then
1: they have, like, a
0: party that's like, put a lampshade on your head and be ridiculous 80s party. Which I love it because it's clearly James Hong's imagination of what idiot teens want to do at a party. (laughs) It's like, and first of all... Which is hanging out with James Hong. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Even though, you know, they probably fuck ten times better than he does, you know, he'll hang out with them anyway because he's he's kind of a party dude. Um, Now, so his basement is full of bodies. It is just lousy with corpses. Yeah, and then he
1: makes more by, like, doing black magic on all these teens yeah it's kind of voodoo light isn't it it's it's like weird Taoist black magic a la um seating of a ghost
0: mixed with
1: like some kind of he calls it like a mayan god the thing so it's basically like the relic level you know yeah mumbo jumbo
0: uh hand-wavy stuff. Yeah, it's a bunch of sort of, I'm I'm using, you know, the ancient gods of that one culture who did things, for sure. And, it's not important. What's important is a, a woman vomits spiders. Man! Or, dude, all right. That scene, she's just like, she goes to the bathroom and she's just, like, coughing, and he's, like, fucking with a doll, and he's like, you know, it would be really fucked up. And then she just horks up some spiders. <laughs> um, it is, it is fucking upsetting. And then uh, he also,
1: like... Because as much as he's into representation, James Hong is not worried about any kind of negative stereotypes that he's portraying. So he's like, hey, big meathead with hurt shoulders, let me give you some acupuncture. So the guy's like, oh, that feels great. And then later he stops and goes, something's wrong. And
0: acupuncture needles explode out of his body. Now, all right. So what's interesting, which is amazing, what's interesting about that? I feel like so earlier on in the film uh, before he just kills the shit out of his wife um there's a similar scene where he's massaging her and then massaging this guy so you're like is is he going to fuck you
1: like are are they
0: are are you do you, are you two going to fuck like what's what's going on here and then he just like yeah needles shooting out of his body um they didn't really need to have him have a wife at the beginning of it but I feel like it was maybe, what, necessary to demonstrate how much of a piece of shit uh, Dr. Poe is? Well, and
1: also how much uh, trim Dr. Poe can pull.
0: That's, this is James Hong writing letters to Penthouse about how cool <laughs> James Hong is. You'd <laughs> never incredible. believe what happened oh this God.
1: weekend.
0: Yeah. Now, all right, and, and I gotta say, the makeup in uh, the vineyard, pretty fucking good. Pretty good, despite... The uh, notoriously
1: low budget. Um, yeah. This movie, th- they also were very clear in the um, interview on the Blu-ray that this movie made a lot of money <laughs> because How? they spent so little money that, that oh, any yeah. money they made was just pure profit.
0: Oh, yeah. Like like their overhead was roughly a pair of pants and <laughs> apparently a pair of sneakers for uh, his feudal... Uh, father to wear in a flashback, flashback sequence,
1: and it, I think it did well on VHS back
0: in back in the VHS days. I mean, here's the thing though, like that makes sense to me because the cover of the Vineyard, I would absolutely uh, get this from a Video Shack uh, in the late '80s because the cover is James Hong on the front, uh, and he's like he kind of looks like Garrick from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, like, a little he's
1: Cardassian-esque.
0: Got, yeah, yeah, a little bit of a Cardassian, and he's in front of a, a beaker, and he's holding a, gob, uh, a, a wine glass full of wine, and he's making the Kush entirely too fucking loud face at it. Like, he is just <laughs> blazed as shit, and it's him looking like a, a ghoul on the front. And if I saw this cover, and there's, like, electricity everywhere, so, yeah, I mean, this, of course, this did well on VHS, I feel like. Also, this movie is a zombie movie. <laughs> Also, it's a zombie movie. Now, all right, my question for you, do they reveal on the Blu-ray whether this was, like, a passion project for James Hong? Like, this was just the movie that he absolutely always wanted to make, and, you know, he was really digging, and he was digging down deep into some parts of of himself to make it, and it really means a lot. Or is it him going, like, I wrote that fucking script in traffic (laughs) on the way to shoot it? The like, copy I... that Vin
1: that Vincent put on the back is a wild late 80s horror film starring and co-directed with William Rice by character actor James Hong. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So I mean, so maybe it was just. James it also Song says was...
1: featuring everything from zombies to supernatural mysticism to slasher touches, along with belts of martial arts and loads of TNA.
0: Your one-stop fucking shop. Now there also, are.
1: this was phot- photographed by John Durlem, who is best known for Gone in Sixty Seconds.
0: No shit. Yeah. Oh my god, that's incredible! Like. And now, the fight sequences, actually, that makes sense. The fight sequences are pretty good. Very good. Because Henry Mock is good at fighting. Yeah, and also, like, James Hong has genuine fighting chops. Like, he, you can tell that he has an eye for that kind of stuff in a script. Like, it, it's really good. Now, uh, the makeup of, that the zombies and also James Hong as he, uh, now, if he, if Dr. Poe doesn't uh, consume enough blood, his body starts rapidly decomposing, and so he the makeup makes him look like Brundlefly right before the face fe- face peels off.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can tell it's just a like mask they slap on him, but it's pretty good looking.
0: Yeah, it's great. I it, it looks great. Um the the zombies of all of his victims sort of rise from the grave to punch the shit out of him.
1: <laughs> you know, because they're they're disgruntled.
0: What's what's incredible about it is that like I love that now like all of his, you know, like victims are like crawling out of the grave and it's like, No, no. And you you think that what'll happen is like a Day of the Dead style, like pulling his guts out, ripping him apart with his bare with their bare hands situation. And they just start wailing on this guy and just punching the shit out of him. And I love this as a thing for zombies to do that like they're not gonna like, you know, use their fingernails to rend your flesh and, you know, bite you. They're just gonna the shit out of you and then so he seemingly is dead seemingly seemingly and then at the very end his face pops up rotted as fuck and he's like where's my amulet because the amulet uh he gets his power from a jade amulet which they don't really talk about until that moment (laughs) yeah it's like also by the way a, a mystical key fob is the fucking reason i have been alive for thousands of years Oh, this Um, old doodad? Don't worry about it. Oh, that old chestnut. Like, you'd think that after, like, a thousand fucking years or whatever, you would find a better system to hold on to the amulet that is the key to your continued immortality. Oh. um,
1: I also like that this movie has wild dogs on the island, which he has to shoot from his... Shoot from oh my his balcony God. to keep from unburying the unburying the bodies buried. In oh the, my
0: God! The woods. I have not. I I did not see the the wild dogs.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a line where he's like pesky wild dogs, which is clearly <laughs> just his dog that was on the set <laughs> one day.
0: Yeah, I feel like if I had a, a yeah you this is you've got like a French bulldog that you like attach some shit to and you're like ah God yeah the wild dogs are digging up the corpses and it's like look. I'm sorry, do you have, like, St. Bernard money, studio? Obviously not. Like, somebody bring your dog from home. We'll put it in the movie. They'll, like, the dog will have a great day. We'll give them a cup full of whipped cream. All right, so where... All right, so uh, looking at the list, sh- where, where should this go? Feels most comparable
1: to another vinegar syndrome gym, Raw Force.
0: Oh, yeah, which was uh, sort of Cannibals on a Boat, I think. Cannibals on an island
1: that a yacht stops at after they do a lot of partying, and random Nazis, and um, random martial arts fighting, and I think zombies in that one, too.
0: Yeah, so you're saying that you could do a double feature of Raw Force and the Vineyard? Just batshit weird,
1: throw everything against the wall and see what sticks.
0: Yeah, sort of like co- like celluloid cocaine. Like, this yeah. was just everybody involved in the making of this thing. Absolutely. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, which do you think is better, Raw Force or The Vineyard?
1: The Vineyard. Now, mm-hmm. at number 172 is The Hearse, which is yet Ooh. another Vinegar Syndrome Everything goes insane in this movie, except it starts out normal and ends insane. And the vineyard is hell for leather, bonkers from start to finish.
0: Yeah, that's my thing. Is like the hearse is about uh, sort of alienation and misogyny and grief and uh, you know a bunch of other uh, good things. And then surprise,
1: motherfucker, it's a ghost.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then the vineyard is about. Writer, director, and producer James Hong, and how cool James Hong is. Which here's the thing is correct. He's (laughs) great. I love James Hong. Um,
1: But but my problem is um, Jack Frost is at number
0: 175. Oh, and and you're you're not the Michael Keaton Jack Frost, the killer. Although that is
1: a horrible movie. Um, Oh, very bad. The 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 killer Jack Frost movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, Now I feel like. This is better than Jack Frost. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like Jack Frost was bad on purpose a little bit. And The Vineyard is so... Now, when we talk about bad movies, I feel like there's such a conversation around, like, bad on purpose movies versus movies that had the strength of their convictions but were just legitimately horrifying. And I love that The Vineyard... Occupies a different space. I don't think that anybody involved in the making of this thought they were making a great film. Oh, they I think... were
1: making something to make money.
0: Yeah, yeah. They were making some silly bullshit and uh, drawing topics out of a hat and deciding, okay, so this is a kung fu zombie movie and just like doing whatever weird bullshit blithered across actor James Hong's subconscious. Yeah. Um and I, I feel like, so I, I would put that above Jack Frost, but I think, for me, the boss battle, uh, one of the boss battles on this list, I think, is Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2.
1: Yeah, that movie is just so great.
0: Oh, man. And, like, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 is insane, but also really good. Yeah. Like, it's it's delightful. So, yeah, so I feel, and I also think that <sighs> Perfume, Story of a Murderer, um, I feel like I want to put uh, the Vineyard above that, just because perfume occupies such a, an early 2000s place for me that I'm like, it's largely forgettable and not that interesting. And this is one like I between largely forgettable thing that everybody kind of knows about versus uh, forgotten gem that I had just heard about this week and had just seen. I'm, I'm going with the Vineyard, I think.
1: Yeah. So thanks to Vinegar Syndrome, um, please go out and pick up this Blu-ray. You will not regret it. Um, yeah. number so one seventy four yes. is the Vineyard.
0: Hell yeah. I feel I listen, I feel like one seventy-four is nothing to sneeze at.
1: So you were talking about movies that are bad on purpose and movies that are just bad. Uh-huh. What is the next movie on our list, um, nudist Colony <sighs> of the Dead?
0: Alright, so you know how we watched uh you know how we watched The Vineyard on Tubi, right? Yeah. Tubi giveth, Tubi taketh away, Tubi has ads, and it also features um, a a, a movie that you can find on Tubi, which I think that we're uh, getting over as the the premier weird fucking streaming service that has all of these bizarre little curios that you'd never see elsewhere.
1: Tubi has, there's only one streaming service where you can watch Tiger Mask W episodes and Nudist Colony of the Dead.
0: Yeah, so Nudist Colony of the Dead is the uh, uh, the other movie we're doing for this week. Um, it is from 1991, and it is from Mark Pirro, uh, who has also worked under the names Marky Doolittle and Marky Elfman, has done movies such as Buford's Beach Bunnies, Curse of the Queer Wolf, Death Row Game Show, and A Polish Vampire in Burbank. Um, oh, man. Tell me... Did a Polish
1: vampire in Burbank come out right after Vampire in Brooklyn?
0: Uh, It did not. Uh, it came out in 1983. Uh, what? And apparently, <laughs> it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a
1: trailblazer.
0: It truly, actually, a Polish vampire in Burbank. I love, now, this is my favorite uh, uh, mediocre brag, is that Mark Pirro's IMDb says on a few occasions. Uh, that uh, Mark Pirro practically made Hollywood history with his 1983 feature comedy, A A Polish Vampire in Burbank, because it was uh, it made over a million dollars back in home video and played on the USA Network (laughs) in the 80s, which honestly, the USA Network in the 90s was so incredibly garbage that I'm trying to picture what would play on the USA network in the 1980s. And it turns out, a Polish vampire in Burbank.
1: I also love that IMDB knows its users because more like this is Return to Blood Fart Lake.
0: <laughs> Fuck's sake. Why? <laughs> Why has this happened? Um, I Now, I thought to myself, oh boy, Curse of the Queer Wolf. That might be, and then I realized, like, oh no. The guy who made Nudist Colony of the Dead made a deeply homophobic movie and uh it's it is a sadness um but nudist colony of the nudist colony of the dead we should preface this with the fact that this movie is a musical oh it's a very good musical i am furious about how good the music is in nudist colony of the dead it's like it it it's numbers throughout it opens with a title track uh it the music is really, really good and it has no business being that good for, and I cannot stress this enough, nudist colony of the dead. Quincy, how would you describe the plot of this film?
1: So, let me tell you, this is first and foremost a comedy and what Mm -hmm. passed for comedy in 1991, the bar was very low. Yay, truly, we are in a golden era of comedy (laughs) because I've seen where we came from and it's not good
0: very bad um and it starts out with this uh sequence that's like shot in sepia for some fucking reason so the reason
1: for that is because this whole movie was shot on super eight and um the when they restored it to scan it to streaming services they couldn't find all the original elements so they used part super eight part vhs um and blended it together
0: yeah, and it—all so all right, so that—you that, know, at least that makes sense for why— I was trying to figure it looks out like why that— garbage? Well, why it looks like shit, yeah.
1: I mean, they shot on Super 8, so it looks like garbage throughout.
0: Yeah, and so it starts out with um, a courtroom sequence between basically the moral majority of the 1980s versus a colony of nudists.
1: Yeah, and there is a woman in an old lady costume— with boobs down to her knees and she continuously slaps people with them and she continues right. to use creative cuss words.
0: Yeah, and and now she's got sort of the the uh, comically droopy tits that I've only uh, only seen elsewhere on RuPaul's Drag Race um as a joke. Uh and now what's weird to me is that this to character be fair, this is, is supposed
1: to be a joke.
0: Oh, yeah, it's I mean, it's meant to be a joke. Uh, <laughs> and it's Now, some of the jokes in this don't suck. Like, occasionally there's a joke in this, and I'm like, all right, I can see what they're doing. Okay,
1: so here's the best joke in the movie. Okay. There's a song where all of the camper kids are at this camp, and they're singing about what a wonderful day it is. And there is a guy who is in no other part of the movie except to walk past and sing the chorus during every shot.
0: Yeah, and it's, that's it it's really me,
1: fucking funny because he know, he is clearly their friend who's working on the movie and they're like, "Hey Paul, you come in and get in <laughs> shot too." And he just you know, sings and that that's a good part of the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's like the bear in Harvey Birdman that shows up at the end, I think, where they, like he just pops up and it's inexplicably really funny. Um the so it starts with a bunch of nudists arguing with a moral majority types and uh, the moral majority type's going like, bah, we don't want children to see genitals and being naked is bad, and it's 1991, it's and the nudists are like, no, and then so the judge, in a very immediate decision, I don't, I, listen, I don't, I don't mean to cast aspersions, but I feel like uh, writer-director Mark Pirro might not be uh, accurately depicting the legal process. Well, um, to
1: be fair, I can't believe I'm saying this, Mm-hmm. They show that he's in cahoots with the moral majority.
0: There we go. So the fix is in, right? Yeah. Like right from the beginning. And uh, the judge basically says to them, like, all right, well, I'm kicking the, all of the nudists off of this plot of land. And the nudists are like, what? You can't do that. We're naked. And the judge is like, no, the city owns that plot of land and you can go fuck yourself. You're all naked. And, and so the nudists sit around a table. And have a giant, like Waterford crystal uh, punch bowl full of uh, tainted Kool Aid, and because which, again,
1: this is a comedy. Because and you it's know it's really funny.
0: Not, Jonestown. Not yeah, Jonestown. Yeah, it's a it's a crowd pleaser. And they, um, which by the way, the nudists they jump to group suicide as a solution, like immediately. No time passes between like we're getting evicted. You guys want to kill ourselves? Yeah, totally. There's no even, like, appeals court (laughs) that's, like, no no, civil suit, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they can't even be like, oh, buddy, wait till the ACLU hears about this. Like, they just immediately, like, oh, man, the judge said we can't be naked anymore, so they kill themselves. And then uh, fast forward to ostensibly present day, and uh, you get a sort of Jerry Falwell-esque televangelist preacher sort of yelling about how— Genitals are bad, and children shouldn't know anything about their bodies, and teenagers shouldn't fuck, and sex is bad, and and everything. And which, obviously, I feel like you're kind of preaching to the choir a little bit, because if you're a person watching nudist colony of the dead, you are, A, probably on board with naked people, and B, if you're not, you're probably a closeted moral majority type renting this thing and watching it cl- clandestinely like Based there's off of
1: the vhs cover of this film it is almost entirely perverts who rented this at their local like tannin video because yeah. regular porn was not available
0: <laughs> listen captain video is a saint you'll put some respect on his name um <laughs> Now, the, the thing is also, uh, I, this movie does a thing that I cannot forgive, which is that it is a movie, a straight-to-video movie called Nudist Colony of the Dead. There is not one single dong in this film. Right? Like, show
1: some penis, you cowards.
0: You cowards! You, you made Nudist Colony of the Dead, and all you're showing is some titties? Also, I...
1: the lyrics of the title track talk about hanging sacks.
0: Yeah, like, honestly, yeah, should get off the pot? Like, this is a movie, I feel like, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, because I don't want to see particularly any nudity in this film, because it's a bad movie. Oh, I
1: really didn't want to see any of the nudity, and there was too much nudity for a movie that really didn't have a lot of nudity in it.
0: That's what it is, is like, it had the wrong kind of nudity, I feel like. It was like annoying nudity. Like, it would, you know, it would be a titty flopping out, and you're like, trying to watch this on like a Saturday afternoon or something. Um, now, the 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 credits of the thing say written, rewritten, rewritten, and directed by Mark Pirro. Um, it shows <laughs> uh, it's it's the writing. Now the script of this thing. Now all right. So fast forward to present day, and uh, you get the Jerry Falwell type yelling, and then he's like, "But you know, it's good because I have a uh, summer camp for the horny teens called what is it, Camp?" H- Hack
1: your guts out or something like that. It's some, not some, a funny some joke, so it's not no. really worth retelling.
0: <laughs> a blistering salvo from Mark Pirro with camp, <laughs> cut your heart out or whatever. And uh, so the horny teens go to this camp that is built on uh, the grounds of the former nudist colony that's haunted by nudists. Um, now, a thing that I love and also hate about this movie. Yet, Quincy, ever watch a movie that as the characters are saying the line, you can see the script? in your mind's eye and the actor looking at that line and going how the fuck am i gonna okay and they're just like saying the line
1: yeah they're insane they're like yeah it's very badly written no human beings talk like that and i'm not no. talking gilmore girls okay no human being talks like that but i'll allow it like mm-hmm. literally no human being says the things that these human beings say
0: no, and and there's so many lines that you can tell was, Mark like, Mark Pierre thinking, like, oh, I've got a real fucking zinger with this one. And you know what it is? Maybe it's just, we're, Quincy, going back to the uh, post-irony new sincerity on back around to uh, uh, irony thing, is the thing that this would have been kind of cool and countercultural in some way and subversive for 1991, and we've had the benefit of... Like three intervening decades to watch things that do what this does, but better.
1: I think that's part of it. I also, th- I also honestly think that Mark Pirro hung out with his community theater group and shot mm-hmm. a movie on the weekends and just had a hoot doing it and then yep. tried to get to make some money off of it.
0: Yeah. Which,
1: and that's the thing that I think is redeeming is it does really feel like, oh, clearly. These are just a group of 20-somethings who want to make a movie on their own.
0: Yeah, and it there's a kind of charm to that. In addition to the tunes in this,
1: pretty good. Inky, stinky, doodah morning. Doodah,
0: doodah morning, yeah. yeah it's, it's delightful. It's incredible. Now, I, I feel like also the problem is, so in 1991, I think, um, Quincy, all right, so I've got a, uh, watching this, I had a thought. So you know how everything uh, in horror or counterculture in the late 80s um, probably talked about the PMRC hearings or the satanic panic or the moral majority, right? Yeah. Are things during this current period in uh, 2K19, are people going to be watching this back and going, yes, I get it, Trump was happening. Fuck. I mean, probably... Just, yeah, the cultural, but it's also written, really hard revolution. to
1: not look at our current political climate and think like the world's gonna end next year and we're just fucked. Yeah,
0: which I, you know, as, Listen, a, as a side the note, the true
1: horror is global warming.
0: As a side note, here, um, we're in the midst of the uh Ukraine uh impeachment uh proceedings. I feel like this is the first time in th- in the last three years I've actually Googled anything about what's going on right now with Trump.
1: Good, good for you. Um, the yeah. same goes for uh, a lot of people I've talked to. Actually, they've like, they, they were just so beaten down. They're like, I give up. Yeah. And then just is is like, okay, I'll actually follow news headlines
0: now which i mean i don't know i i i I sort of feel like until i see him being frog marched from the building at gunpoint i'm not going to completely buy that anything is actually going to happen
1: did i tell you about the horror novel i got that's um it's like a hunger games uh teen girl like joins a group of cool like rebels and it's a civil war where the incumbent the president was impeached and refused to um vacate offices so a civil war breaks out and it's like all of these you know queer liberal like paramilitary women take up arms and fight like basically the moral majority rednecks and the the President, and I was like, "Yeah, that's not fun. That's not a good distraction of my life." No, that book.
0: No, this is. I. I don't. What? No, this is not relaxing. Um. But anyway. Um. Yeah. Uh. Now, this movie is sort of there. There's a there's a movie that on this podcast I I, I think we uh, tend to champion a lot uh, as being a movie that people should see. And it's the movie Dead and Breakfast.
1: Absolutely, it's the movie Dead and Breakfast.
0: Which is also available on Tubi.
1: Oh, thank um, God. We gotta do yeah. that, like, next oh. week.
0: Oh, my... Wait, have we ranked Dead and Breakfast on this podcast? We have not. Oh, you
1: know what? We for need as to much make, as we get like, a milestone episode.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah, we should just do a standalone episode for Dead and Breakfast, where we only talk about Dead and Breakfast. Um, now, this movie is basically sort of the... Also... <laughs> Quincy the fucking nose hashtag justice for dead and breakfast um the uh this movie is sort of like that where it's like uh tongue-in-cheek and zombies and music because dead and breakfast has uh, zachariah and the los lobos writers sort of doing a greek chorus for the movie uh and now all right quincy did you make it all the way through nudist colony of the dead
1: um i did fall asleep during part of it because it's very boring
0: but so can we
1: even rank this movie in good conscience
0: Absolutely, because I caught the end. Um, (laughs) So, listen. uh, Listen, if your movie... movie,
1: I mean, I've seen Star Wars Episode One, and I distinctly remember sleeping during the midnight showing of that and still (laughs) saying, I saw the movie.
0: Yeah, and also, I feel like you can sort of figure out pretty much what the deal is with Nudist Colony of the Dead by, like, half an hour into this thing. There are multiple moments in
1: this movie where someone does quote, ethnic music, unquote, and to cue that, they put on sunglasses.
0: Yeah, there's wants a bit wants to do, this... like,
1: a Ray Charles impersonation and wants to do a sassy
0: rap. Oh, he does a sassy rap. Uh, there's a, 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 a black police officer in this who does a sassy rap. Did you ever listen to a rap that you know was written by a dorky white person? Yeah, because of all the, like, Ave forced in as hard as possible, yeah, and and it's it's basically following the rhyme scheme of like my name's the cup and I'm here to say I'm getting haunted by zombies in a major way. And it's just like you <laughs> and and it's like 1991. I I love ah oh, god, this movie it's so much. Um now all right, looking at the list. So Nudist Colony of the Dead. Uh I'm scrolling pretty far down the list. Uh, I'm
1: trying to think of like in some ways, there was a point when it was almost like toxic level good, toxic Avenger. You but know then what there's this is? Parts that are just irredeemably offensive, like one to the half Mexican, half Japanese friend who is an actual Asian American actor that was forced to pronounce all of his L's as R's and vice versa.
0: Yeah, it's it's awful. Like, I, I think that's the problem. Like, this movie, it's uh, it, it's a lot of things wrapped up together that, like, it's, it's like, okay, pretty good soundtrack, uh, really bad humor, really, Okay, but like,
1: also the the Christian girl with the Tammy Faye Baker slash corpse paint. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, it's, it's so good. good. It's extremely good. Now, um, the, so if we're going with the Roger Ebert, what was this movie trying to do and how well did it accomplish that? What do we think? Did, did this movie, you know what? Oh, you know what it is? I just figured it out. Um, the kind of movie that, uh, nudist colony of the dead is, did you ever get those trauma compilation DVDs that would come with like space zombie bingo and like surf Nazis must die. And it would have like four different movies on one DVD. It's one of those. It's that this is that, um, so, All right, let this me... movie reminds me
1: most of Nocturna, but not as interesting.
0: Yeah, I feel like Nocturna at least had more stuff going on. Um, okay, Quincy, it's Friday night. You have a gun to your head and have to pick between two <laughs> movies. Like you do on a Friday night. And it's it's either.
1: Global warming has happened. There is no more pizza. (laughs) There is no more mug root beer. All there is is expireds. The Nun and
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nudist Colony of the Dead. (laughs) You're sucking down expired Capri Sun. You're eating expired gas station food. And you have a choice between Mystery Monsters or uh, Nudist Colony of the Dead. Um, which do you pick the one about how hard it is to be a child actor? Uh, and also you're surrounded by small friendly monsters or, uh, nudist colony of the dead, which is about a nudist colony of the dead
1: solely for the music nudist colony of the dead, which is upsetting to me because we're saying that maybe better than <laughs> the predator.
0: It really is. It, <laughs> I was less angry after watching this. The Predator is uh unforgivable. I think the Predator is,
1: like, is socially damaging. It is yeah. it is dangerous um ASD propaganda.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also
1: dangerous things. propaganda about PTS.
0: Yeah, it's listen, it's 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 a it's like a turducken of bad things. So I feel pretty good uh putting Nudist Colony of the Dead at our new number 412, below Nocturna, but above Mystery Monsters, aka Goobers. Oh hey, while we're down here
1: poking at the bottom of the list, um, there's a new release of Necromantic and Necromantic 2 on Blu-ray that I got oh, a set provided to me for. So uh we're we're coming back to revisit. Uh the Necromancing franchise.
0: Necrom Necrom which the first Necromantic is at number four hundred and twenty two out of four hundred and twenty-six.
1: Will the other one get higher? We're gonna have to wait and
0: see. Listen, I kind of love Necromantic as being like, you know what, this movie needed to exist and they've done something terrible and necessary, I think. They, they made that movie. Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet?
1: We can be found at rankandvile.com. We can also be found on Gmail at rankandvilecast. If you are a filmmaker or a or if you have a listener request, you can shoot us an email at at gmail.com Or if you want to advertise with the show, that's the place to reach us, too. Uh, We're on your podcast app of choice. Please give us some sort of rating Or give us some word word of mouth advice uh, from a friend.
0: Yeah, hell yeah, Um, and then also
1: almost made like award winning status on this podcast, like hit podcast. We're almost there.
0: Oh, Matt, we're, yeah, we're like, we're, we're like right on the cusp, I think, of like catching the big cog and and getting to the next place. Um, relatedly, uh, if you are a listener and you have uh, an idea for an essay about horror movies or about horror culture, horticulture, um, or just anything sort of tangential or related to being a ghoul, uh, please pitch us at uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Um, we now and this is purely this is not for money because we have no money, but this is if you have a piece that you want to put up and you just want to get it up somewhere, we would love to have it up and uh, get get your voice out there.
1: One more announcement for our Patreon donors at the $25 level. Um, boxes are gonna go out November after November 1st because there's um, surprise a lot of Halloween food in it. And it turns out that food made for Halloween is not designed to be eaten much after Halloween. So it's going to be a little early. It's not in December as expected. So if you want to get some, get a care package, uh, you'll need to be uh, signed up for October 1st or November 1st. Because we'll probably send them out November 2nd because the food expires
0: in like... Mid November. <laughs> no, nothing gold can stay, Pony Boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that is about all I got. Anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.